last Wednesday, a number of us gathered here at the building to pray for just a lot of things that are going on in our world. Shana, were you able to get that? Yeah. I don't know if you can ignore the light there in the middle of that. But during our prayer, that was what was outside. And I couldn't help but think, you know, when, when, when God wanted to tell Noah he was pleased and, and, uh, and, and he was going to make a promise to him, he put a rainbow in the cloud. And so I can't help but think as we prayed uh, Wednesday night for COVID-19 and, and for racism and justice and for, for first responders and for government officials and for church unity, that God was pleased. And I, I don't mean that to pat us on the back or anything. I just mean to say we probably ought to do that more often. And uh, so anyway, thank you, Shana. I'm going to use a word that we don't use much anymore. We've sung a lot about it today. We don't talk much about the word holy. Jim, I know we use that word. We've got the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. Yeah, we do, I guess. But do we really understand what holy is and what holiness is? You remember when Moses was in the desert, in the wilderness, and there was a, a bush that was burning, and he goes up to see it, and a voice comes out. And what did the voice say? Again, we sang about it today. He said, take off your shoes, for this is holy ground. God told the Israelites, he said, I want you to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. When they build a tabernacle, God says, here are the instructions for the tabernacle. I want you to build it in this way. I want you to put this here. And there were two rooms in particular. One was the holy place, and the other was the holy of holy place. Now, we find it creeping into our vernacular. We've got holidays, which really uh, is, is holy days. That's where we got the word holidays. Or we use words, and I haven't heard this much, but it's, it's one of those things that used to be said, holy smoke. Or I heard it yesterday, I heard this yesterday, holy moly. My wife says, holy bajolies. And I've even heard it with a vulgar twist. Not from her. And we even hear that phrase, now don't get that holier-than-thou attitude. We have this idea of holiness, that we think that to be holy, you've got to wear one of these things like they do at Brother Sebastian's, you know, and have the, you know, the cowl over your head and, and go around home, home. Or, or you go, you know, I've been to the monastery 
uh, several times and and you think oh Jim that must be a holy place and and I have had them come up to me with the robes and that kind of stuff but but that's kind of our concept and 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 our concept of holy is weird if you're holy you're oh, he's one of those holy guys which like I said means he's just kind of weird but there's a beauty that comes, there's a purity that comes from being transformed. I want to go back to the Old Testament. I know that sounds like a weird place to go when we're talking about holiness, but after all the things that God created, and I'm not here to argue about Genesis and, and argue about, well, was it seven literal days or was it day age or what, you know, I, I'm not here to argue about that. I don't know how God did it. I honestly don't. I just know that he did. And that was never the intent of Genesis for, for goodness sake. So God creates the heaven and the earth and the sun and the stars and the seas and the earth and all the animals. He creates everything. But the crowning glory came on the sixth day. And the Bible says... So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. In the image of God. Now sometimes, uh, you know, we, we think of God with a head and a body and hands. And, and if you read the Bible, uh, you, you'll get in, in particular, you'll read about different things about him, uh, you know, different body parts. There's a big long word for that. And I know the Bible refers to God in such ways, but it's, you know, it's because that's really the only way that we can conceive of him. We try to bring him down to our level. God is far above our level. We're created in his image, in his spiritual image. How do you see God? Pure, compassionate, holy. In Hannah's prayer, she said, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. And in many places, God is called holy, and we are made in his image. And so what are we called to be? If we are made in God's image and God is holy and God is righteous and compassionate and loving and holy, what are we meant to be? We're meant to be holy. Peter's call to those who were scattered was this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming and as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance but just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all you do for it is written be holy because I am holy Peter also calls us a royal nation and a holy priesthood and he calls us a holy nation. So what does holy mean? If we're supposed to be holy, what in the world does it mean? Now, very simply, it means set apart. 
And if you want to get more specific, set apart for a special purpose. And when you think about that for just a minute, God has set you apart. Don't, don't look at anybody else. Look at yourself. God has set you apart for a special purpose. Vine's Expository Dictionary of Greek and Hebrew Words uses these kind of words. Purity, majesty, glory. Does that describe your life? I'm afraid many, many times it doesn't. And Peter, Peter of all people, Peter the one who struggled so much with, with who Jesus was, yeah, he, he stood up and said, you are the Christ but there were times when you just want to take Peter and shake him. And at the end of his life, it was Jesus who had to restore Peter because he was going back to what he was going to, what he used to do. And Peter says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy, godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole for just a second. There are passages like this, and this comes right after a passage that talks about the elements being burned with fire. And some people say, well, that's the second coming. And other people say, no, no, that's the destruction of Jerusalem. And, and we get all tied up in knots about that. And you know what I say about that? We miss the point. Because in every instance, it says, what kind of people should you be? The, the story isn't about the second coming. The story isn't necessarily about the destruction of Jerusalem. It's about the kind of people we should be. And he calls us to be holy. In Ephesians chapter 2. We have a verse that's quoted often, and rightly so. It comes right after the assurance of God's grace. Because who can live a truly life? Only those with a heavy dose of God's grace. And Paul says there, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Some of you have probably looked and said, what in the world does Jim have in here? Those of you who know me know that in the past, <laughs> I haven't lately, but I have done some basket weaving. Not underwater, but I've done some basket weaving. In fact, Martha saw this today and she said, that's pretty. When did you do that? <laughs> A long time ago. But this is something I'm very proud of. Because I made it. Oh, I didn't make the reed and stuff like that. I had to buy the reed. But I soaked it. And I weaved it. And I'm very proud of it. This is my handiwork. The Bible says that you are God's handiwork. 
fact, the word that's used there is a word that we get our word poem from. In essence, he says, you're God's poem. You are God's handy. I thought about bringing somebody up, but then when I was thinking, I thought, well, I'll bring Caleb up, and he's not here, of course, but I, I thought I'd bring Caleb up and say, this is God's handiwork, and nobody's as tall as he is. But he is. His, his spiritual body is God's handiwork. You see, we're called to something higher. And when we're not holy, when we choose not to be separated from the world, we don't fulfill our purpose for our creation. God calls us to be holy. Paul says, and we know, and we know that all things in God work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We, we quote that passage all the time. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. There's that, that transformational word. Conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Now I know. I know it may be difficult to be holy. But it can be done. We have been set apart to fulfill the mission of God. Paul told the Corinthians that some of them had been sinners. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness. Oh, there's that stinky word again, and holiness. He calls us to be holy. So the question remains this morning. What does a holy life look like? Turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, chosen, set apart, holy, dearly loved. He says, clothe yourself, put it on, wear it. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ dwell in your hearts, 
since as members of one body you were called to peace. And, and I love this. I've mentioned this a number of times. It's like Paul has listed all these things, and then it's almost as an afterthought, almost as if you know this kind of attitude. He says, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Three, three times in this short little area, be thankful, sing and with gratitude in your hearts, and, and do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God. Part of holiness is all of these things. It's compassion and love and forgiveness and humility and thankfulness. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. There may be some who say, Jim, I, I like what you say, but you don't, you don't preach about the sinful things that are going on. You know, there are so many things that are going on around us. And, and you just need to come down hard on those. And you never preach about those. Yes, I do. I preach about them all the time. Because I want to preach a message of grace and mercy. People who struggle. In fact, when you read passages of Scripture, like 1 Corinthians, where he says, you know, you did this and you did this and you did this, and he lists them, and we just sit there and go, oh my goodness, look at all those things that they did. And he said, and such were some of you. And a little bit later in one of his epistles, he's listing a number of sins, and he says, don't go back to the way of life that you used to live in. And so what we preach here is a message of grace. Oh, we're against sin of all forms. Make no mistake about that. But, but there, but by the grace of God, go I. And so God calls us to this holiness. This holiness that says, I want to be more like God. Not in the, in the omniscient, omnipotent, all the omni words. But to be lovely and gracious and kind and full of humility. And brethren, let me tell you, it's not weird. It is just the way that God has called us.